Okay, so good morning. I'm Don, a compulsive overeater. I do not remember a time in my life when I wasn't a compulsive overeater. I don't remember a time in my life when my relationship with food was different from everybody else that I knew as a kid because they all seemed to be thin and couldn't care much about it, and I seemed to not be able to stop eating. I have some fat pictures that I will put on the screen to remind myself of where I came from. That is my default. That's where it takes me. It's just one of those things that I could not understand. In virtually every other area of my life, if I wanted to accomplish a goal bad enough, if it was something I truly wanted, I could figure out how to do it. I could set the goal. I could figure out, all right, it goes over there. I'm here. What are the steps in between? What do I need to do to get there? Again, if I was really serious about it, for the most part, I could do it. When it came to food, absolutely not. Kicked my ass. It was just defeated over and over and over again. I felt like one of those cartoon characters that gets bopped on the head and has little birds tweeting around my head. I just go, what happened? I don't get it. I don't understand. Why can't I do this? I used to think of food as Star Trek opens up with space, the final frontier, and I used to think of food as the final frontier. I could get these other things right, but I couldn't get it with the food. I kept thinking there's got to be a gimmick. There's got to be a trick. There's got to be something that I'm missing that once I learn how to do, it'll go away as a problem. It didn't over and over and over again. I heard about Overeaters Anonymous 10 years before I came into it. The reason I didn't come into it is my ego would not fit through the door. I just couldn't admit that I needed help in that way. I kept thinking, I've got to be able to do this myself. It's a matter of pride. It's a matter of ego. I have a very clear recollection of laying in bed, feeling this huge stomach, and going, you know what? I give up. I can't seem to do this by myself. I had on and off been to a nutritionist, and I found that for a few days after seeing the nutritionist, my food would clean up. I thought, well, if these meetings do nothing more than give me a few days, and I go a couple of times a week, maybe I can stretch a week together, because it was all about the food. If the day that I walked in the door, you said to me, why are you here? I would look at you like, what kind of stupid question is that? I'm here because I want to lose weight. Why else would I be here? If you ask me why I'm here today, and I have 23 years of abstinence, by the way, if you ask me why I'm here today, it's because I don't want to eat compulsively. That's very, very different from losing weight. I can lose weight and eat compulsively. I could, during the times I was white-knuckle dieting, I could go sometimes a couple of years and lose weight, but I never lost the food obsession. In other words, it felt like a spring winding up inside me. It felt like I was trying to graft a behavior that was so alien to the core of who I am onto myself, that it just was tension building up tighter and tighter, and then it would just explode, and I would go out and I would eat 
and make up for lost time and end up gaining more weight than I'd lost. And then I would sit there like the character with the birds tweeting, going, what the hell happened again? Why? What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? What is it? Uh, and, and, you know, it was just the same frustrating pattern over and over again. Um, and there were, and so I thought, I've tried everything else. I may as well try this. I don't know what it's like. Intellectually, I sort of understood that if I treated it like an addiction, maybe that would work. Um, but I didn't really understand it. Uh, and I, again, didn't want to admit, uh, that I had an addiction and I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do it by myself. But I finally came into the room and, uh, the first meeting was a total disaster. It was raining. It was small. It was dark. It was the, I thought the, the speaker was brain damaged. I was so out of there. And a tiny little woman named Doris, who was in her 90s at the time, as some of you old timers will know, um, gets between me and the door, wags her finger in my face and says, don't leave before the miracle happens. Uh, I, I thought that was weird uh, and very strange, but I thought, all right, I'll give it one more chance. So I went to uh, Serenity Sunday and it was bright and the sun was shining and people were laughing and uh, I saw people who had lost... Um, a lady named Natalie, 350 pounds, had it off for over 20 years. Didn't think these things were possible. Um, but to me, it was sort of like a bicycle. I mean, you, you know, a bicycle can't stand up by itself, and, and I didn't see how you could actually ride it. Um, but you see kids in the neighborhood riding it, and even though I'm falling over, I, I, I see it can be done. And so I saw that people could actually have a long-term recovery. Uh, I, I, now, there was a secret part of me that said you're never going to get it and you're always going to be fat and you're always going to be the you know the victim and uh, you're always going to you know be like this and and I worried about that and uh, and and but I saw other people doing it and I thought look I, I'll try it what have I got to lose I was certainly not doing very well trying to figure it out by myself uh, but again I had no idea what it was about or, or what was involved in it but I kept but I kept coming back. Uh, I found a sponsor very scientifically. He was the only one who walked up to me and said, if you'd like, you can call me. Um, we're still together. I've had him since day one, Michael. He likes me to say his name. Um, the, uh, uh, and so uh, it's, uh, but I, I didn't get it in the beginning. I did get abstinent immediately. Now, maybe it was this effect I described earlier where I go to a nutritionist and get abstinent. Uh, and I got abstinent right away and I lost weight right away. So uh, now I'm thinking, now my ego takes over and uh, I'm the poster boy for OA and, uh, you know, I, 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 you should all be looking at me and thinking how great I am. And then about a year later, I started gaining weight and my pants got tight. And I, so my immediate answer was, don't tell anybody, You're, you've got to be the poster boy. And fortunately, I realized pretty quickly I needed to do exactly the opposite. I needed to tell everybody I'm having troubles. I'm starting to get eat again. Um, and that began to dissipate it. There's a expression of you're only as sick as your secrets and um uh, and so and i find that to be true in life i find that uh you know and i do occasionally overeat but if i tell my sponsor and i stay clean about it and i report it um then i, I, I it's not a secret when i sweep it under the rug um it goes into that dark recess in my mind where all the little demons live and uh when they're in the dark, they, they're scary. They jump out at odd times. They bite me. They this, they that. When I pull them out into the light, they're kind of small and they're kind of shriveled and I can get a, I can get more of a, of a release from it, uh, on that basis. So, um, it, it's about, it's about honesty. It's about 
getting forward. So what I did not expect out of the program was that I would get a serenity, not just around the food, but around all aspects of my life. Because I didn't think that, I didn't realize that was part of the deal. I thought this was just about the food. My initial reaction was totally self-centered. My initial reaction was, all right, how much of this can I get quickly? How little can I give in return? And how fast can I get out of here once I get it? It was, you know, I was looking at it like any other weight loss program of, you know, let me get it and let me go home. It turns out that it is an ongoing process. I had a sponsee who had a gift for analogy who said, I can't stay clean today on yesterday's shower. It was one of the most powerful things that I've heard in program. Because it doesn't matter how many years absence I have. If anything, you know, having 23 years gets me cocky about, you can relax now. Because my head tells me that all the time. You got this. You can cheat a little this. You can do a little that. The chatter still goes on. The difference is two things. One, I have a few seconds between the thought and the action that I never had before where I can adjust. And secondly, you know, an action or an emotion is not an action. An emotion, a feeling is not an action. The feelings can come and go, but I'm able to let them go. And I'm able to sort of look at them like, yep, there's my head again trying to take me back into the disease. But I don't have to do it. It's my choice whether I can do it, a choice I never had before. Pre-program, if I had a thought about food, it was in my mouth. Even while I was thinking this is probably not a good idea. But it was there. And then I get into the, well, you've blown it, so you may as well. But I remember distinctly going up for, I believe it was a 60-day trip. And as I walked up there, I realized there was something missing that I hadn't noticed because it was missing. I tend to notice things that are there more than what's missing necessarily. And what was missing was that I didn't feel the spring winding up inside me. I didn't feel that tension that I had from dieting. I didn't feel that tension I had from hanging on to something, a behavior that was so alien. And I thought, wow, I've never felt that before. I've never lost weight and felt a calmness around the food. And I didn't even know what it was or why or how it was working. I just knew it was working. And I thought there's something profoundly different here from anything that I ever tried before. And indeed there is. For me, I get so much more than the food. I get a calmness in every area of my life. The biggest change for me, and they talk about in the big book a psychic experience, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but the biggest psychic experience change that I had was a complete reversal of my attitude toward other people. The way I described it, it was all about me. What could I do for myself? As I moved through the program, it became what can I do for others? And that simple turning things around, which trust me was not my default, makes all the difference in my life. When I came in and I'd be angry about being victimized about something, it was all about what somebody did to me. If now I've trained myself to think, well, if I were in their position, how would I have handled it? Why did they do that? And most of the time I can understand it. If I were them, I might have done the same thing. And I have trouble getting angry at someone who did what I would have done, although 
actually maybe that's a good reason to do it, but <laughs> uh, in, in theory, I've turned, I try to turn it around. I try to, and, and I, I don't feel the anger when I realize they're just doing something out of their own self-interest and they're not even thinking about me, just like I used to never think about them. And uh, also, if I do things for others, it takes me out of my head. It takes me away from uh, from from uh, the, the obsession, which is continuous, uh, because I'm not thinking about me, and uh, and my life gets better. It gets better in my family life. It gets better in my work life. Uh, it gets better in just my general serenity. I don't get angry as often. Uh, I, I I can accept things. Uh, on acceptance is my favorite part of the big book. Uh, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And that, uh, everything is the way I need to concentrate, not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitude. Because it's I can't control what happens in the world. I like to think I can, but I can't. I can, uh, to, some, to some degree, control how I react to it when I think about it. Uh, there's a... Uh, a story about um, uh, two two men who were uh, in a car accident and then left in wheelchairs for life. And the first man says, you know, I'll never play ball with my kids. I can't be, I'm not a man. I'm, I can't walk. I, I, my life is over. I can't go out and do everything I did before. And goes into a deep depression. The other one says, thank God I'm alive. I have now the opportunity to tell you, to be with my family. I have the opportunity to see the kids grow. I have the opportunity to appreciate the sunshine and the flowers. And exact same situation, completely different attitudes. And it's my attitude that makes the difference. Uh, you know, whatever happens, uh, I find in the long run, even though it's things I don't like in the moment, uh, there's a reason for it. Now, it may be years before I find out why. It's a lesson for me to learn. Uh, when I succeed, I don't learn anything. I just pat myself on my back and tell me and think how smart I am. When I fail at something or when something goes the way I don't want it to, I have to reassess. Well, what did I do wrong? What did I do different? What can I learn from here? Uh, what's my role in it? Uh, wh where can I grow? Um, because, you know, the, the most powerful lessons are the ones that are a bit painful because I don't always pay attention unless I feel a little bit of pain. And if I look at them as an opportunity to to do something, as an opportunity to better myself, um, I can at least take something positive out of it. Uh, one of the expressions I heard is, if if you're going to go through hell, don't come back empty-handed. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, you know, we all go through things that we would rather not. Uh, my mom had an expression about uh, things happen to everybody that should never happen to anybody. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, so why not me? Um, I like to think I'm different, and I like to think that uh, there's something, you know, that I'm special. But I, 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 you know, all of us are special in one way or another, and all of us have issues in one way or another. So it's only a matter of, uh, of figuring it out. So um, the key to uh, to everything to me, again, it was in the it was in the steps. Uh, it was in the uh, it was in going through it. And uh, Michael, uh, my sponsor, likes to go through it with Dr. Paul's pamphlet, uh, which is a very formal way to go through the steps. Um, and I recommend it if anyone is interested in that. Uh, the, um, it, it just goes through it in a very simple way. Uh, I had, uh, I, I had not, I had, pro I had heard before that God was a part of the program, uh, and I'd forgotten that until I got here. Uh, I never had an issue with that. I grew up not particularly religious, but very spiritual because my mother is very spiritual. 
And I was always talking about how God can help in your life, but I had gone completely away from it. And uh, it was sort of a happy reunion for me to come back and realize that there's, uh, you know, that, that, that I can get in line with that. Um, and my concept of God or higher power is a flow of energy in the universe. It's almost like a river or a musical wave or a combination of the two. Oh, and you have five minutes left. Okay, thank you. Uh, there was a, there's a flow to it. Uh, and I find that if I float with the flow, my life gets better. I find that if I'm swimming upstream and fighting it, I tear, tire myself out. Um, I can't do it. Uh, and just like you, if you're going to swim up against a very strong river, you're going to go nowhere. Uh, but you are going to exhaust yourself. And that's, that was my experience before. Uh, things I didn't like, I would just rail and fight and get all angry and, and not be in the solution. Um, and to, for me, it's, it's to focus on the solution. If something's wrong, uh, I don't just, you know, complain about it. I go, well, what do we do? What's next? Because it doesn't, it doesn't move me forward to just sit there and feel sorry for myself. It does move me forward if I can flow with it and go, okay, wh- what, where is this going? What does it lead? What happens next? What do we do about it? Um, and, and so to have that connection to God, which now I depend on on a daily basis when I don't know quite what to do, um, is, uh, is a wonderful thing in my life. And it does give me the ability to, uh, to, to, to handle situations that, that would have uh, upset me much greater before I got in the program um, because I can look past it and know that, uh, that that's, that's what I need to do. Um, and, and I can let go of things that I can't control and things that are bothering me that I can't do anything about or, or not do anything about in the time frame that I want, which in my head, of course, is immediate. But, um, but the things take time. My mom used to talk about uh, if you want to, uh, a flower is going to bloom. You can't force it by pulling the petals open. Uh, that some things take time. You have to let it. You have to let it blossom. And uh, and indeed, that is my experience with life. Is that I, I've gotten more patience now um, because I realize some things take time, and and I can't uh, I can't do much about them. So um, the uh, there, there is a, a an expression I heard in program years ago, and. Uh, uh, I'll end a, a couple minutes early with this because I, I like it so much, uh, which is that um, God only gives you three answers. Uh, yes, yes, but not now, or no, I have something better for you. And again, that's my experience. So uh, thank you for uh, letting me share, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on with the uh, meeting. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question and you're in person, raise your hand. If you're on Zoom, type your question into the chat and the tech host uh, we'll read it out to the group and speaker. Uh, we'll alternate between in-person and online questionings, and the speaker will repeat the question before answering So who is first? Um, I have a question online. Can you talk a little bit more about that uh, 12-step pamphlet, um, Dr. Paul's, and how it is different 
and how it sure. helped your practice. Thank you. Sure. The question is, uh, talk about the Dr. Paul pamphlet and how it's different. Um, it's called Dr. Paul's Unofficial Guide to the 12 Steps. Um, there is, I think you can get, you can find a free copy online by Googling it at, I think, silkworth.net. Uh, and uh, you can also buy it if, you know, by Googling it. I think it's three bucks or something uh, if you want a hard copy of it. It is uh, just simply a way of going through the steps. It's a list of questions to ask. Uh, it's a, uh, a, pro a process of just walking through it. Um, it's, uh, I don't know that it's, I don't, I don't think it's program approved because of the unofficial part, so I probably shouldn't get too much more in detail to it, but it's a it's a very good way to go through the steps. It's very thorough, and uh, it, it just it helps you uh, walk through it. It's based on the big book, not not an OA, um, not an OA piece. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Other questions? Is there a question yes. in the room? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, you're, all, you're always available as a sponsor. Can you, um, how does sponsoring contribute to your program? All right, I heard you're always available as a sponsor, but I didn't get the rest, I'm how, sorry. How does sponsoring contribute to your program and your recovery? Oh. How does sponsoring contribute to the program and recovery? Uh, it's, it's, it's perhaps the most important tool uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, the, uh, first of all, as I said earlier in the share, it's the turning outward that keeps me uh, sane and abstinent. It's the thinking about others. And when I'm sponsoring people, I am thinking about others. That's number one. Uh, number two is uh, I, I'm shocked how many times my sponsees come with a question <clears throat> that I need to, uh, to, to deal with myself. And I find myself giving advice that I'm not taking and suddenly realize Mm, that's what I should be doing myself, <laughs> uh, which is also very helpful. Uh, also, going through the steps any number of times and doing it through the eyes of sponsees, remembering how difficult it is, remembering what it's like in the beginning and, and how lost I was, uh, is a reminder to keep me centered and keep me involved with the program. Um, because, I, you know, there's a period when uh, a number of years ago I was getting bored and I was, you know, the meetings are getting boring and I don't understand, um, uh, you know, how do you keep this fresh? How do you this? How do you that? And sponsoring solves all those things because I'm seeing things freshly through the eyes of someone else. I'm, I'm seeing uh, what it is that they need in their lives to, to help do it. And I can share my experience and my strength and my hope that I get from doing it. So, uh, I would consider sponsoring, uh, you know, if not the most essential, but one of certainly the most essential things that, that contribute to keeping me abstinent. Other questions? Okay, thanks, Don. Um, so someone says, cease fighting everything and everyone. I'm involved in a lot of conflict, like legal disputes. I can't stop binging as a result. How do you deal with this matter to get peace? can't give up the legal claim, too important. Right. Well, um, the question is, if you're having, uh, you know, problems in your life, non-program related, I'll make it more general, although this is about a legal claim, uh, how do you, and, and are eating, uh, how do you deal with that? Well, the first thing I have to realize is when I'm eating emotionally, when I'm not hungry, I'm eating to soothe myself. 
on giving into an addiction. Uh, there's a guy named Ken who's an old-timer in program who defined addiction as using phys- something physical to solve an emotional problem. And I thought that's the most succinct uh, definition of, a, of um, addiction that I'd ever heard, because that's exactly what it's about. So when I'm wanting to use food to soothe myself, I know I'm in trouble, and I, and I know intellectually I'm doing it. There's another expression, if you have a problem and you eat over it, you have two problems. And uh, that's important to keep in mind. Obviously, I have problems in my, in my, my daily life. Uh, we all do. Um, some big, some small. Uh, but I, I say the unacceptance a lot to, to, deal, to, sec- to deal with it. I take the steps that I need to deal with the, uh, the outside problem um, because there's, there's something I can do about it. And then I get to a point where I've done what I can do, and then I have to turn it over, turn over the results. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with Michael once about, you know, I'm being bothered by this. He said, oh, you turned it over, and then you took it back. <laughs> uh, and he was right. Uh, I had tried to turn it over, but then I kept grabbing it and pulling it back and wanting to, to wallow in the problem. Um, if I stay in the solution, if I uh, understand that if, if the food is not an option, it's not a problem. It's only when it's an option that it's a problem. And when it's an option, it has a way of screaming louder. Uh, another thing I heard is uh, uh, when the food's calling you, it's because you're throwing your voice. Uh, I mean, the food obviously hasn't, can't, can't, has no ability to get up and walk over and pry itself into your mouth. Um, it's, it's something in my head that's telling me to do it. So uh, I think just to sum it up, it's that I stay in the solution, do what I can for the outside problem, ask for help, uh, you know, talk to my sponsor about it, talk, uh, turn it over to God, and, uh, and try and get through sometimes the next five minutes without eating. Um, so, and then add enough five minutes together and I can get past it. I've never had an urge to binge or to overeat last more than 45 minutes. Um, it's, uh, it's my experience. And if I can get through 45 minutes, it's usually gone. It's interesting. No matter how ravenous, no matter how my stomach's grumbling, no matter how my head is screaming, you're going to faint if you don't eat. Uh, 45 minutes later, it's gone. Um, it's uh, like I had a friend who was a lifeguard. So it's, uh, it used to tell me about riptides. Riptides are very powerful tides that take you away from shore. And if you swim against them toward the shore, you exhaust yourself and you drown. Uh, but they're but they're narrow. So if you swim across them, you can get past the riptide and then you can swim in. And that's how I look at these urges to, uh, to overeat. If I can get to swim past the 45 minutes, I can turn and go into shore. Okay, Jack. We have one Other in questions? The room. Jack, do you have questions? Uh-huh. Oh, no, we don't. Sorry. Okay. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, what are the signs when you're going against the flow? Like, what, what are your behaviors? What do you notice? Well, okay, what are the signs when I'm going against the flow? Oh, that's really easy to notice. I get tense. I get irritable. I get anxious. Um, I, can, I can feel myself winding up. I can feel it in my stomach. I can feel it... Uh, just in the tension, I feel it. tension goes to my neck a lot, or, or sometimes I start twitching. Um, I, it, it, it's not a mystery when I'm wound up about something. Although, interestingly, even with all of those, sometimes I won't notice. My wife will go, uh, you know, all right, what's bothering you? Uh, 
which I depend on her for, by the way. Uh, and um, so it, it, I, it's not hard to figure out uh, when I'm when I'm tense. Uh, what to do about it, though, is is what I just described. I have to turn it over. I have to uh, um, I have to tell somebody about it. I have to be open about it. And the more I talk about it, the the less power it has. And then I obviously have to figure out take the practical steps to deal with it. Thanks, Don. Anyone else from the room? No? Okay. Um, okay. Here's one. Our program promises us that we will intuitively know how to handle things that used to baffle us. With that thought in mind, how do you discern the difference between your will and God's will? Okay. So um, how do I discern the difference between my will and God's will when I have a problem that, uh, that, that used to baffle me? Um, it's a good question. I don't always know for sure, but if I step back objectively, I do know. Uh, I mean, the question is, am I doing something just for me or I'm doing something to really solve the situation for everybody? Uh, and that I think is the key difference. Um, and I can, I can kind of know that and I can kind of feel it. Um, you know, if I'm, for example, if I have an awkward, uh, issue in a relationship with somebody, somebody's upset with me. Um, I, my head wants to go and fix it immediately and I want to go uh, call them and talk to them, uh, which they may not want at that moment because it may be better to be left alone. And I'm thinking if I'm doing this just for me to make myself feel better, that's not a good motive. If I'm doing it because I genuinely want to fix the situation, I genuinely want to make an amends, I genuinely want to figure out and make right whatever, whatever the issues are, um, then, then, uh, then I'm in the right place. I, I, after a while, I can just sort of feel it. I'm either flowing with the universe or I'm, I'm trying to fight against it and do something uh, that's completely self-centered and, and, and not productive. Uh, or another, I've heard people say, and I've done, you know, uh, if it's, I don't know, I'll pick uh, um, a problem with your parent. What would a good son do uh, in this situation? Just I take myself out of it and try and look at it objectively. What would a loving son do? Uh, and uh, Michael also has a great expression about come from a loving place. In other words, if I'm going to confront somebody uh, and I'm angry, come from a loving place. And that makes a huge difference to me because it turns me around uh, in terms of my thinking. Uh, now I'm looking to uh, uh, now I'm looking to make the situation better by coming from a, a place of caring and love. Okay, um, how do you uh, handle anger and frustration? How do I handle anger and frustration? Um, pretty much the way I've just been describing things. I, I look, first of all, I look at my role in it. And secondly, I put myself in the other person's shoes. Uh, most of the time, I've got a role in what happened. Uh, indeed, it may even be completely my fault, something I would have never either admitted or even thought about pre-program. Uh, and if it is my fault, then I have to accept that, and then I think, what do I do to make it right? Uh, or if it's, uh, if it's partly my fault, or if it's not my fault in the least, uh, and somebody's angry with me, uh, and uh, it upsets me, uh, I need to put myself in their position and go, okay, why are they thinking that? Um, there was a, 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 facil a, a business facilitator I once worked with uh, and he, he talked about how um, if someone has a completely different point of view than you do 
on something that's, that's upsetting you. Um, become genuinely curious how they think that way. In other words, you go, uh, oh, interesting that you think that way. Explain it to me because uh, I, I see it very differently, but I want to understand. And then genuinely listen. And a lot of the times I find out I, I get where they're coming from or I understand it. I may not agree with it, but at least I understand it. And then it's not so much the anger as it is it becomes a discussion. And by the way, a lot of times I think I, I find out they're, they may be right uh, and it may change my point of view on things. If I stay teachable, if I stay learnable, if I stay open to understanding that I don't have all the answers in the world, which is what my head wants to tell me, um, I learn more. Um, what what feels? Right. Uh, sorry? Sorry to interrupt. Five-minute warning. Okay, thank you. Uh, what's the old expression, uh, you know, God gives you one mouth and two ears. So um, it's better to, uh, I don't learn anything while I'm talking, uh, but I, I learn a lot when I'm listening. And if I really listen, uh, as opposed to, for example, my old thing, which was somebody be talking and all I'd be thinking about was my arguments of why they were wrong and not even hearing them. Whereas now if I turn around and go, wh- wh- why do you think that way? Explain it to me in a very op- in an open way, not in a nasty way. Um, I, I learn, and and uh, and it diffuses the situation greatly. Um, okay, yet one more. Um, how do you remain calm? Oh, sorry, is there one in the room? Yeah, there is. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Uh, thank you for your share. Uh, you mentioned that in other aspects of your life, you're very goal-oriented and you can set steps and accomplish them and then move forward. How do you uh, cope with program not having this sweet endpoint and uh, kind of having to work that continuously? Yeah, good question. Uh, thanks, Sean. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 how do you cope with program not having an endpoint since I'm goal-oriented and like to figure out how to get things done. Um, that was challenging in the beginning because I was finding myself getting bored. Uh, once I had gotten abstinent, once I'd lost weight and uh, the maintenance was starting to bore me and uh, I, I needed to do something to keep it fresh. Uh, it was, uh, first of all, having sponsees is a big difference because that's fresh that, and it also keeps me out of my head. Uh, and, uh, and when I was getting bored, I had very few sponsees, if any. Uh, they would drift in and out. Um, and so uh, th- that, I think, has made a big difference. And the other is that I get so much from the program in terms of serenity and in terms of uh, just making my daily life better when I stay in fit, fit spiritual condition um, that, that I keep coming back for it. Now I'm kind of, uh, I depend on it. It keeps me... Uh, it keeps me sane. It keeps me calm. It keeps me spiritually uh, in a good place. Uh, and when I drift away from program, I feel those things start to ebb a bit. And, and I know I need to get back to it. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, the meetings are a good way to do it. Certainly talking to my sponsors, certainly being responsible and talking to my sponsor. Those things keep me accountable. And now I depend on them to keep me, uh, to keep me on the path. Um, uh, there's a thing about a, a plane flying to L.A. to New York is off course like 85% of the time and always course correcting. And if you don't course correct, you end up in Mexico. Uh, and so uh, I need to course correct. Uh, you know, uh, even, the, even the best of planes that are doing it have to do that all the time. There's wind currents and stuff, you drift off and life drifts off. 
And so if I don't keep course correcting, if I don't keep uh, close to the program, then my life drifts off. So now I depend on it to do that. Any more? Um, okay, you have two minutes. Um, how do you... Um, how do you handle your serenity when we are in a crazy world? What's, how is that for you? How do I handle serenity in a crazy world? Well, um, I don't know why you think we're in a crazy world. <laughs> um, the, uh, look, I can, there, are, there, there are many things I can't change, and uh, certainly COVID and uh, other craziness in the world is part of that. Um, so acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. On the other hand, you know, things that I care passionately about, I, I want to work to change. I want to do what I can. I want to be part of the solution. Uh, you know, I may not be able to do everything myself. In fact, I clearly can't. Um, but I can be part of it. And, uh, you know, for my own sense of serenity, knowing that I'm doing what I can uh, is important. So I do what I can. I, you know, in COVID take precautions and I'm careful and, uh, and I, uh, you know, um, take care of myself. Uh, in the bigger situations, you know, I'll do something if I can. But I, uh, ultimately, um, that's all we can, any of us can do. And to pretend there's more would only be to frustrate myself. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, to be angry because I can't radically change the world is uh, the only one that gets exhausted by that is me because nobody else cares uh, that, I, that I feel this way. It's me that's carrying it around. That's your time, Don. Uh, thank you, Carol. All right, now it is time for the Secretary's announcements. <laughs> 